when I discovered branding for myself, um, I went crazy with it because I thought this is the missing piece. This is what I've always, you know, this is what a designer needs to know. You have to know how your work is going to bridge the gap between the audience and the business, the business's um, strategic goals. We've all been in the creative business for more than 20 years and love almost everything about it. But we have to admit, there are times when it's a shit show. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the ups and downs of the design and marketing business and share ideas and support that get us through the day. And sometimes we'll just shoot the shit. So welcome to the Creative Shit Show. Team, I'm excited today. We have one of my favorites. I'm going to call you a legend, Marty. I'm just going to go out there and say it. You're one of those uh, influencers uh, that I had the privilege to meet years ago when uh, you started Brand Gap and came out to AAJ Chicago, and we were able to connect at different conferences and that sort of thing. So I think you were running a successful design firm in the 80s. Do I have that right? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I started in, let's see, 70. I I went into business in 1970. Just me, awesome. right? But then I started hiring yeah. people by about. But you had clients months. like Apple, Adobe, Microsoft. Well, eventually, right? yeah, yeah. In the yeah. beginning, yeah. no. <laughs> I had <laughs> you know, the carpet cleaner. The I had <laughs> yeah. the guy yeah. who made drapes. I had him, um, but I was able to turn those into award-winning projects, and so I started to build a name for myself. But I love it. You know, it took me a while to, to realize I couldn't make a living where I was in in Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. And I had to move someplace and I decided uh, Silicon Valley at a time when no one really knew what it was. And if they did, they certainly wouldn't want to live there. It was like, oh, that's where all the, you know, gearheads live. And uh, I thought, yeah, but Apple's there, <laughs> you know. So That's right. So that's, that's what got me to move. That was really wrenching, but... Um, I mean, it was day and night for the business. And, and my wife, my wife is key to the business. I mean, she made it so that I could actually focus on the work and not on the business part. And that was, mm. that was the key. I love it. So your wife was doing the operations kind of? Kind of, you know, of office manager stuff, all the, you know, payroll and bill paying and banking and uh, just uh, keeping it all together, really, so that I didn't have to worry about that. And once in a while, I... I'd retire her so she could have a life. And and then the business went. <laughs> and I had to hire her back again to save it. So, uh, but she's truly retired now. And, um, and the, that business, the studio business is, is long gone. So I'm just a consultant now. And it's, it's nice if you can do that. Just a it. consultant. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Well, I know after after your uh, agency, you know, or kind of during that, you also wrote for Communication Arts. I did. You started the seminal magazine, Critique. Yeah. From there, you wrote several best-selling books. I know Brand Gap Zag, by the way, is one of my favorites. It's considered one of the 100 best business books of all time. So that's – and uh, we're just thrilled to have you on the show and hear more of your story. So thanks again. Sure. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> it's a shit show. So yeah, you, you just don't know. know. You, you don't know. Who's running this thing? It could be anything. (laughs) So I have a question just to start. Were you a hands-on designer early on? Yeah, Yeah, totally. Um, You know, I went to Art Center and um, didn't know anything about design. In fact, they didn't have a design course. They had advertising and they had Mm -hmm. illustration. 
And uh, so I just took both because <laughs> they figured what I wanted to do is somewhere in there. Um, you know, I wanted to draw pictures. And, and then, um, you know, I dropped out uh, because it was the 60s uh, and um, just started to be self-taught at that stage. And I discovered all the great people that influenced our generation, you know, Paul Rand and uh, Milton Glaser, Seymour Quast, Massimo Vignelli, all these people. Mm-hmm. I, you know, had no, I didn't have, I wasn't working for anybody else. I didn't have a mentor. So I had to just pour over like communication arts magazine and look at those things and try, try to figure out like, what is, why are these so good? What are they doing? How do they get these skills? Um, and just um, painstakingly figure it out and then, and then start trying to do that level of work. And it, you know, it wasn't, too long. It was maybe three years before I started winning awards in communication arts. Um, and, and one of the reasons I was able to do it is because I decided I would be self-employed. Wow. So you didn't work at a studio and learn all the ins and outs? I I worked at two places briefly. I worked at a magazine that put out four kind of pulp magazines at a time, like car magazines and stuff. And, uh, I got to do everything I wanted there. I got to illustrate illustrate the articles, lay them out. There's nobody else, you know? And so I really learned how to work fast and uh, get over the fear of putting stuff out into the world. You know, like I didn't worry about it after a while. I just started doing it and it was, it was a blast. Um, And then I worked at um, a a small design firm in Santa Barbara because I just wanted to live there. And um, that lasted about a year. And then they had me doing uh, illustrating missile silos Oh, wow. For the army. And I just, oh, wow. uh, no, I just, I don't want to be here anymore. It's just yeah, like, that's a little weird. Yeah, the <laughs> Vietnam War was going on and I'm just like, anyway, so um, that's when I went on my own. And um, the problem is when doing that, when you're so young is you don't have any model for what you're supposed to be doing. Right. You know, I had a couple of years of art center behind me and the rest I just had to figure out by reading magazines and stuff, but it also enabled me to control the work entirely. And so there's nobody telling me I couldn't do something. And uh, my whole thing was, how do I turn this dumb job, whatever it is, newspaper ad or something into something award-winning? And so um, after a while, I was winning awards regularly. Uh, Got to be pretty silly after a while because I was so focused on that. You know, once you focus on something, you can do it. Um, And then after a while, I just sort of forgot all that stuff and just concentrated on getting significant clients and doing good work for them and building a studio and employing people so they had lives. And, um, you know, that's that all happened in Silicon Valley. So there's just so much work there. So Marty, like a lot of our audience is, I would say, young, creative mm. entrepreneurs. They might be at that beginning yeah. stage or thinking about leaving, you know, corporate life to go off and do their own thing. When you were first getting started and started your agency, where did you find your clients? What was your process for finding clients? I just had no process. I didn't know the (laughs) first thing about it, but I knew that I had to go out and find it. It wasn't going to find me. I wasn't, nobody knew who I was. And I, I started this in Santa Barbara where there were no graphic designers at the time. I was the first one to call myself a graphic designer. There were a few um, commercial artists that did just whatever you wanted them to do. But there was no, but he was trained at all to do this kind of work. So I just, I would um, see a company, a little store or something that I thought I could do some work. You know, if they were advertising, I'd just go in and say, I could do this. And I was, 
My first really uh, award-winning project, uh, uh, even at the time I knew this was going to seem ridiculous when I got older, I, I was uh, I was so broke. We were so broke, and we were um, living in an apartment with no furniture, and we had a baby, no job on the horizon, no clients, and I was just sitting there every day reading Sherlock Holmes on the floor, and that, oddly enough, inspired me to become a, a freelancer because you know, oh my god, I love Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, you know <laughs> because he Sherlock just Holmes. decided he was going to go into business as a detective. And then he had to learn all these things that no one else knew. So, you know, he, mm -hmm. 30 kinds of cigar ash, you know, or w what kind of <laughs> mud comes from different parts of London. I'm just like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. <laughs> and I got really in inspired. And um, I... Got I got some work from a bank, the, the the kind of the local bank. It was a small bank at the time, uh, just one office, Santa Barbara Bank. And I brought some um, like a portfolio in with bank ads. You know, <laughs> I knew nothing about banking, but I thought they, you know, it, the banks are where the money is. So, <laughs> and I needed I needed that money, and so I went in, I introduced myself to the marketing director, who was like. Oh, these are great. Can I buy these? Because <laughs> they, like, they were just, you know, samples of like what I might do. And they weren't even that good. But um, they'd just never seen a, a professional graphic designer before. So they went kind of nuts. And um, they said, well, uh, we'll just buy some of these. And I said, no, it doesn't work like that. You have to like, I have to know what you're doing. I have to know the purpose of this. I have to know how this fits in with your strategy. All this stuff. Strategy? We're just a bank, you know. So, um the, marketing manager says, well, here's the first thing we need to do. And he unfolds a newspaper and uh, on the stock page of the newspaper of the local paper, you know, it's, you know, the stock page looks like the old ones. It was just all these little lines of type, you know, just, it's all just gray. You know, you have to really know what mm -hmm. you're looking for. But at the bottom, they had a, a space uh, that they were using that was two inches high and 14 inches across. That was their ad space. <laughs> like, like a stick at the bottom of the. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. That was the old time banner like ad. A pencil. Yeah, yeah. The first banner ads, yeah, ever. And it was just an accident. <laughs> it was an accident because the newspaper had leftover space and they offered it to the bank and the bank took it and they just jammed type in there, you know. And they said, well, the first thing we want to do is get rid of these things and get some real ads like the ones you showed, just showed me. And I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This is really interesting. You've got this small space. But you dominate the entire spread, like the whole newspaper. This is the only ad on it. That's gold. Really? And I said, yeah, let me just fool around uh, with some ideas and I'll bring them back. So that afternoon, I sat down and I designed uh, nine uh, long, skinny ads that were just a headline going all the way across, a little drawing, like a hand-drawn object and then another then body copy on one line and the logo that was it just like going across um, and they were witty and i brought them back that afternoon and i said okay here's wow. some ideas wow. uh here's some ideas and i wrote the copy and everything so by this time i was figuring no one's going to write the copy but me because there's nobody around calling themselves a <laughs> copywriter in santa barbara and so i brought him in and he goes wow these are great and i said so which one do you want to go with and he goes well all of them I went, all of them? He says, yeah, how much How much for all of them? And I said, well, it's going to be $50 a piece. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
<laughs> wow. Like, there he goes. You probably felt like that was a lot <laughs> in your heart. Like, oh, God, well, were you nervous that he was going to say no? Uh, no, I was. I could tell he was going to say yes to anything. But um, no, I. You have to understand my rent for this uh, uh, duplex was one hundred and sixty-five dollars a month. So this was mm-hmm. nine. This is four hundred and fifty dollars. Okay, this is three months' rent for an afternoon's work. So awesome. <laughs> Yeah. So, but um, we did it and they all won awards. CA Magazine, the works, silver medal in the New York Art Directors Club. <laughs> so that was... I have a question about that. How did how did you, back then, I, now would be obviously color prints, PDF, whatever, but how did you present it? Was it just pencil sketches or markers? Or yeah, what? kind of markers. I just, um, you know, I mean, the drawings were just like... <laughs> The simplest, like not stick drawings, but they were very simple. Like there'd be a ladder and just hand drawn outline of a ladder or you can't even remember what, an arrow, you know, things like that. And then the copy would tie okay. into that. So um, I think I did actually the um, headlines. I lettered them out with letter sets. Wow. Uh, the whole thing, because lettering was my thing. You know, I mean, that's how I got into this business. I was doing lettering in high school and even before high school, I was, doing lettering for the school, I, the grammar school I was in, um, that and drawing. So um, easy, you know, and and uh, obviously I was very hungry for it to be able to do the nine award-winning ads in one afternoon and the copywriting. <laughs> so anyway, you know, they won a lot of awards and suddenly you know, within a few years I was being, um, I, put, I got in CA Magazine as a, a in an, uh, you know, cover article um, for That's all crazy. this stuff. So you know, that was good. Um, but it, I wouldn't call it a business, you know, I was just doing art basically. And I had to figure out how do I turn this work into like something that can sustain me and my family. And that was the hard work, you know, figuring all that stuff mm-hmm. out, uh, especially in Santa Barbara. And eventually I left because I, it wouldn't work. It just couldn't. I mean, I think I made, uh, don't tell anyone, but I think I made $17,000, uh, in revenues, not profits, the year before we moved and that just wasn't going to cut it. We had a house to mortgage to pay for and everything. So it just, it just wasn't going to go. And, and by the time I left Santa Barbara, there were 30 competitors all calling themselves graphic designers or ad agencies doing the same kind of work. So um, that was a big move for me going, leaving this beautiful town that we loved uh, and going where there was a lot of competition but also a lot of opportunity. You you referenced uh, several times, like when you're starting out, you had the fortune to be recognized and win some awards. Did those awards bring in work for you, or is that more, or those awards just really boost your confidence in your ability, or both? I would say both. I did get some um, work out of it. I was sharing a studio with another designer just to save money. We had a nice, pretty nice situation, a, a storefront uh, in a nice arcade with two, two levels. There's a mezzanine and then there's the bottom floor. And I had all my awards prominently framed and shown there and clients would walk in and they go, wow, what are these? And then I said, well, they're awards. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you a story though that was really funny. So I told you I had no mentors or didn't know really what I was doing, but I was figuring it out. And I was in that studio with my, um, my uh, rent sharer 
uh, Scott Reed, who had a, he actually had experience uh, working with good people in L.A. Uh, Robert Miles Runyon, he went, worked for Robert Miles Runyon doing annual reports for five years, and you know, and he went to Art Center and uh, was a real pro. So, but we had this place together, and I was on the bottom floor; he was on the top. And um, from where I sat in this uh, storefront space. I couldn't see the front door, and it's just the two of us there. We had no other staff members or anything. And we, we put a little bell on the door so we'd know when someone came in. And so I hear this little bell ring, and I get up, and this homeless guy's wandering in, and uh, he's not paying any attention to me. And he goes into the front section where we had a kind of a, uh, a little round table for clients, a uh, meeting table. And then all around, we had our work hanging on the wall, both of us. And uh, he's looking at my things on the wall, this homeless guy. And uh, he's flipping through an annual report that I had hanging from a string. And he goes, is this your stuff? <laughs> I said, yeah, can I help you? He goes, your typography is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Okay. And I said, now I was like, I forgot that he was a homeless guy. I'm just like insulted. Right. I said, I'll have you know that this won an award in the New York Art Directors Club. And he says, so? And I said, why are you such an expert? He says, oh, I'm in the business. I was in the business. I'm a painter now, but now I've done this for years. And, uh, you know, you, you look like you got some promise, but uh, you really got to work on your typography. <laughs> 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 and uh, that was the beginning of my first mentorship, probably my best, best one. And um, he would just call up. Uh, any old time and say, want to go to, want to eat, want to go to lunch. And uh, he'd come over and I'd hear the bell and he'd come and stand behind me while I was trying to finish something up. And he'd just be shaking his head going, no, no, no. (laughs) If you're, if you're going to do that kind of thing, you got to be looking at Paul Rand. You got to be looking at this guy or that guy. It's like he's got the whole uh, history of design in his head. Wow. And I said, yeah, you think you could, you think you could do better? And he goes, give me a tissue paper. And he puts it down over the top. He redesigns this thing. And I, and I went, Oh, that is good. Like you, that is good. Can I take that? Says, yeah, be my guest. And I took it. And I won an award with that. So, <laughs> but uh, then we started working together a little bit. Uh, he didn't want to like run the business. He just needed some cash to keep his painting life going. And uh, but he was so good at talking with clients and stuff. I learned so much from from him. And then, and then, but you know, at some point, well, he moved away to L.A. because he said uh, he felt like the. Mankind was doomed, and he thought L.A. was going to be the first to go over the cliff, and he wanted to be there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the kind of kind of guy he was. And, uh, and so he left, and I left, and we kind of lost touch a little bit. And um, he, he died kind of young. But um, boy, did I get a lot of confidence just from having him be really tough on me. I mean, he would just like, after he knew me for about two years and I was winning all these awards, he'd go, you know... It's been nice hanging out with you. Um, I think you're um, a competent designer. <laughs> competent, what do so I have do to feel, do? Right. So do you feel like you learned better typography from oh, him? Oh, yeah. Well, I think what I learned was how to be more restrained with typography and let a little bit of typography do a lot of work. And mm-hmm. also learned about corners. Like he was good at just sticking things in corners when they didn't have to be front and center. Uh, and I, and I always thought that was kind of just kind of 
uh, ordinary. But then when I saw him do it and just the right type and the right size and the right spacing, it would, after a while, I was just thrilled by it. And I learned how to do that kind of as a default thing. Right. And it probably created a beautiful white space. And lo- left lots of white space, right? Um, yeah. yeah, he was nice. great with the white space. And, you know, a lot of his stuff would just be almost blank, just one little thing in it and it'd just be knock, you, knock your socks off. But um, but also but just have him point me uh, who the good people were especially in Europe, which I wasn't really aware of, like who was, there were no, there were no um, design history books at the time. Like you had to actually find the stuff yourself. And mm-hmm. um, when he went to, uh, he went to Art Center too, and I think Chenard, and he was with a group of people that in, like f- there was five of them that really wanted to know more about European design and they collected whatever they could find and they shared it. They would get together and over a beer or whatever and get excited and show each other the stuff they saw, stuff they were learning and then work on that, you know, work with those ideas. Um, all of those guys, except for my mentor, because he decided to be a painter, they all had successful studios in, in LA and, and San Francisco after they got out. And um, so that was, a, that really impressed me. And I, that's advice that I gave to lots of students when they showed me their portfolio. I said, you know, get yourself some heroes, find out, mm-hmm. find work that you really love, then find more of it by the same designers or whatever it is, copywriters, whatever you're doing and create um, an archive of that stuff. And, you know, look for things that you wish you had done. Like if, if only you were good enough, you would have done it like this. That kind of stuff. And and keep a file of it. And then before you do anything, go and look through that file. Just look, even if it's different kind of work or different subject, just look at it to set the bar for yourself and go, man, that that is great. How can I do something that just, well, first surprises me that I could do it. Second surprises everybody else. Um, and I think that really sped up my, um, my learning. Um, I remember reading that... Um, Ernest, this is when I was very young. Ernest Hemingway said, if you want to be a great writer, you have to go uh, 15 rounds with the the writer you think is the best. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that's... Well, I remember you reminded me that we used to call those files morgue files. Yeah, that's right. The morgue, right. Yeah. And I totally, I <laughs> totally forgot about yeah. that. But you're what the way you're talking about it. You're talking about how designers were back then. It was very much more of a fine art mindset. Oh, yeah. It was, than, yeah. And I think I always thought yeah. that was wrong. Even in school, I thought I don't want to be. I mean, I uh, this the kind of work that some people are doing. I mean, you have these like Japanese people coming in and doing the most amazingly gorgeous things, but they couldn't speak English. And they certainly couldn't solve a strategic business problem. So I thought mm-hmm. that's not really what excites me. What excites me is to take is to combine uh, the ability to communicate with words and pictures and put it towards a business purpose. But there was no appreciation of that really. I mean, right? It, it was kind of like, no, we don't want to do that. We want to be fine artists, and we're just lucky we get paid for for doing that kind of work. And so the AIGA was full of people doing just that kind of work. Um, and if you were really trying to solve a strategic problem and your concepts were about solving that problem, um, it would just be right over people's heads or maybe they just like, they didn't see what they wanted to see in it. I'm talking about in the industry. The Right. My guess, it was probably that they loved the art of doing it, but they didn't necessarily love the business. Of doing yeah. It. Yeah. And I remember when I started to, when I discovered branding, 
uh, it was always there to be discovered. But when I discovered it for myself, um, I went crazy with it because I thought, this is the missing piece. This is what I've always, you know, this is what a designer needs to know. You have to know how your work is going to bridge the gap between your work or the audience and the business, the business's um, strategic goals. Uh, and it's all right here. It just... The problem is all the literature on branding is all from the left brain side. It's never about the design side and the, 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 the things that were, that, that did come from designers weren't very good at the strategy part. They were just basically nice looking and, you know, there was thinking behind it, but it wasn't powerful thinking. Um, and I thought, yeah. wow, all, that's what you have to do is you have to bring these things two things together. And so that's what I was working on. And then I wrote The Brand Gap. And I remember going to um, a big conference, the AIGA conference, and branding was starting to become known. And my book was already number one. It had been, it got to number 15 on the Amazon on Amazon list, which was like Bill Clinton's book got to 25. My book was at 15. So um, it was, wow. it was, you know, surprise people. And um so there was a, a breakout session at the conference about branding and really what it was. I went to it and I sat in the audience. I wasn't invited to be on the panel. And I thought that was a bit strange since none of the people on the panel knew that much about branding. And then I realized it was an anti-branding panel. They were there to like pass judgment on branding and how bad it is for the field, for the graphic design field. And I was sitting there listening to this, these like senior graybeards uh, talking about um, we gotta we gotta fight branding with everything we've got because it's it's evil it's all lies it's just you know and I and I raised my hand and I stood up and there's about sixty people in the room I said I think you're mixed up I think you're confusing branding with advertising there's a lot of lying in advertising a lot of gra you know a lot of uh, exaggeration yes. but branding it can't do that um, because that would be unbranding if you did that because branding is for the long term and if you get found out that you've been lying. That'll kill your brand. And, mm -hmm. and, and the whole room broke up into discussions uh, between people. And it got really loud. And people were like throwing things. And they were standing up and, and knocking over their chairs. <laughs> I mean, it was like a, a barroom brawl or something. And I'm, I was just like, come on. And, the design event. I want and they, uh, what year was that? What? That yeah. was probably. Was that? I know. I wish uh, that was. I guess that was 2000, 2006. Five or 2006, something like huh. that. Yeah. It's funny and, that you say that though, because I come from corporate America and I can tell you, I remember reading stories even back in like, uh, you know, 2013, 2015, somewhere around there about how, you know, you can't, it's, it's really difficult and challenging as a graphic designer or even as a creative. So if you include writing and copywriting and all of those things in there, because you don't really get included in the business discussions as much as you might no. need to get included no. in the business discussions. No. And there was this big, it was almost like a, maybe it's around this time and it, maybe it came from your, the, you know, your meeting or your, you know, maybe it was an AIGA newsletter or something I was reading, <laughs> but, but they're like this guy, Marty, no, I'm just kidding. But, um, but anyway, they're just saying like, you know, how can we get more ingratiated in the business? Because unless we understand the business, we can't understand the objectives. We can't get the strategy. We can, we can help you with so much more than just making it pretty or, or making it sound better or massaging the yeah. marketing aspect of it. You know, we really need to understand the business. And so there was this big push towards making sure that you had 
you know, somebody in a higher level graphic yeah. design position on your staff. That's right. So, bringing so them into the, all the, meetings. the mantra was we need to get a seat at the table. That's, that's it. Right. You're right. That's what happened right around then. And I was part of that. So, okay, it was you. Yeah. Well, I was the head of a little uh, a branding club inside the AIGA and we were like all over it and very verbal and everything. Uh, so I think, you know, but we were also ruffling a lot of feathers just by telling the story about branding. So that was a good example that, you know, everybody knocking over their chairs and yelling and pushing each other. And that, that meeting broke up within about 10 minutes. I bet. It was an hour, but everyone just like they were just fighting and arguing and they went out into the hallway and just left. They just left the whole thing. They were so, they couldn't concentrate. <laughs> and uh, well, I came out last because I'm not going to get in the middle of this crowd. And I saw the guys on the panel standing over in the, the side of the lobby and they were all in a circle and they were all peering at me and talking. So, um, you know, it just, uh, it was very hard to to get the AIGA to pay attention to it because they thought of it as something that would undermine design. I remember Michael Vanderbile, who's a friend and also, you know, I admire his work a lot. He says, you and branding, is that, that's what you're going to do from now on is branding? And I said, well, you know, branding includes design. And he goes, design is going to be here a lot longer than branding ever will. It's a fad. So I said, I hope not. That sounds, but, that sounds you know, like they probably said that about adver- wow. advertising back in 1900, too. It's a fad. <laughs> so well, I, can, I can say I remember, Marty, because I was on the board then, and I remember the timing was perfect because Clement Mock came out with like an approach that was, you know, had somewhat of a, you know, strategic step-by-step process to it. And I remember there was a bunch of pushback on that. This is a little bit after the brand gap came out. And and then there was this sort of wave of of change that the rhetoric talking about it really became more positive. But there were still pockets yeah. of people who were Resistance. really holding on strong, <laughs> holding on strong. It's yeah. like the print web thing, you know, it's oh, um, yeah. but but I really one of the things that I really admire about you and, and I, I, we definitely want to save some time to get to level C is I feel if I was to explain at least what I perceive to be one of your goals is to really make the chief brand officer or the brand, uh, you know, creative or designer uh, really help define it as a, as a powerful business opportunity. Yeah. Is that how you I would- think that's where this is headed and we're getting all kinds of signals and usable um, data about the power of design. I mean, it's off the charts. Amazing. But it's yeah. not something that anybody in business ever learns about. And so they're afraid of it. They don't want to rely on it. They want to keep the, the business under their control, which means using what they already know. And they just don't they just don't get it yet. But I think that has to change because because of Apple, really. Apple, like, you know, if you think about Steve Jobs, um, you know, he was a CEO of the company, but he actually was the CBO. He was the chief brand officer. I mean, Steve Jobs did not bother himself with spreadsheets or uh, investor calls or anything like that, right? Uh, all he was doing is working with the designers to give uh, customers stuff that would amaze them. And then presenting it and and also choosing what to work on. I mean, I think that was, he said no to a lot of um, uh, products that other companies would have said, yeah, let's do that. We can do that. We have the people, we have the ability, you know, the supply chain, whatever. He wasn't like that. He said, we're going to do something and we're going to do it great. So every year he would be, uh, he would get all the ideas and all the people who had the ideas into a room and they might have six great product ideas, new product ideas. And he would look at them and he'd talk a little bit about them and he goes, okay, this one, number three, we're doing this. 
the rest of you, um, see you next year. So it would be just focus, just total focus on one thing and make that work and make it work with everything else that Apple was doing. And um, Steve Jobs was not an easy person. I, I was always hoping I could work with him in the early days. But when I met him, I just thought, there's no way I, I would blow my top. I can't, I can't be treated mm-hmm. like that. And I would never treat well, anybody listen, we, like that. We always ask our, our guests for a shit show story. So why don't you tell your Steve Jobs story? Uh, okay, well, I have a bunch, but because uh, I lived about uh, two blocks from Steve Jobs um, when I was up there, and uh, saw. You got a good supermarket story or something. I have a I have a story where I almost ran him over. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, he was uh, walking down Waverly Boulevard, Waverly Avenue. Um, he lived on Waverly and walking, I think, towards the the, the new Apple Store. They just, the Apple stores were just starting and there was one in Palo Alto so he could check it out, you know? And so he, I think he was, he was walking down that street and I was going to work on a cross street where I lived. And I'm, I was always really careful because it's um, the neighborhood that we both lived in. It's like living in a park. There's lots of trees. It's really old kind of stable kind of neighborhood, but the trees would sometimes obscure the uh, stop signs and people wouldn't see them and they'd r- run through a stop sign. And I just always like slow down whenever I came to an intersection. And I was doing that and I see this guy walking really quickly. He's going to cross in front of me and he doesn't even look. He's like preoccupied. Mm-hmm. So he steps off the curb and I slam on the brakes and my car skids to a halt like two inches from him. And he jumps back, horrified look, <laughs> and it's Steve Jobs. <laughs> And this is after he like was, he was the toast of the town. He was the toast of Wall Street and the Wall Street Journal. I mean, was always interviewing him and everything. Anyway, and I, and he like kind of had an apologetic look and kind of hurried on his way. And I was sitting there with my hands on the steering wheel shaking that I almost killed Steve Jobs. (laughs) I almost... I almost that, no, that killed, would not have been I good. killed I almost killed innovation. <laughs> you would <laughs> See, not win an award for that. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> um, my career wouldn't be worth that. I'd be gone. Not no, award no, winning. No, there'd be Dry. the Wall Street Journal the next day would have one of those beautiful little engravings they used to have of Steve Jobs and you know, dead at fifty three, and then my picture would be the man who killed innovation. Marty Humor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Apple graphic designer <laughs> kills Steve Jobs. Yeah, <laughs> but but that that was that came much later when I first started. When I you know I engineered a, a way to get to meet him because I just knew that me and Steve were going to hit it off and we we're going to do great things at Apple. Um, and uh, so I was doing an article, uh, a double article, uh, uh, you know, uh, like a a series, you know. One article and then another one in the next issue of Communication Arts, and it was a big deal for you know cover stories, both of them. And I was the writer, so uh, I got a chance to meet Steve Jobs and John Scully and interview everybody, Clement Mock, and all those people that are on the design team at the time. Mm-hmm. And it went great. Uh, talked to everybody. I talked to. Oh, I was supposed to meet Scully and Jobs at the same time, and a, a, an admin comes out. She says, oh, "There's been a change." Um, their schedules have changed so that you, you need to meet with Scully first and you can meet with Jobs second. I said, fine. Because they didn't want to be in the same room together? Yes. <laughs> but I only, found out that, I only found that out by reading uh, Isaacson's book about Jobs. And I, 
put together yep. the timing. And this was the day that uh, Steve Jobs was told he's not going to be in the company anymore. And he wasn't talking. Yeah, I remember that time. <laughs> You're like in Steve Jobs' like, life timeline. Yeah, like, yeah, every, I'm like, every time Forrest Gump. Like, party, like, I was there. You're like, Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah. over there uh, shaking hands with the president. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, and Scully was a dream to interview. He was had his talking points down. He was smoothed, you know, just polished. Um, he said all the right things, you know, and I said, um, everybody's wondering why Steve chose you, a guy from Pepsi, uh, to run a tech company. What do you say to that? I wasn't going to spare him, uh, the tough questions. He goes, he says, well, I used to, I was trained as an architect and I'm a builder. And this seemed like a really good opportunity to build things that would change the world. And it was like, oh, so slick. Oh. And I went, oh man, that's, so that's good. a quote right there. And then I got to meet Steve Jobs, and it was completely the opposite. He was horrible. He hated me, and I soon got to hate him, or at least I was—I couldn't let him get away with what he was saying. He was spouting off all kinds of stuff about design. He didn't know what he was talking about. And, of course, me being not that much different than Steve Jobs, <laughs> I had to correct him, and it just really didn't go good at all, you know. He says, uh, when you're thinking back before? to that day in your car, <laughs> what, what? Was this before or after you tried to kill him with your car? Oh, way before. Yeah. That's no, no. I, you're thinking back to that day in your car. All was forgiven by then. No, I felt so bad after that. I mean, I realized I was never going to work for him, uh, even if I could work for him and I could take yeah, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I want specifics here. What, what was the thing <laughs> you could <laughs> All right. Well, here's what the way it went. Um, I'm waiting for him and he walks into the room, looks around and says, oh, you the guy? I said, yeah, I'm doing an interview for communication arts. He goes, what's that? He knew very well what communication, he was dying to be in communication arts. He'd asked people about, can I be in this magazine? <laughs> and so then he was like, but you know, oh, okay, well, that looks interesting, sure, okay. They pulled out the man. And the publisher of the magazine is sitting there. He just wanted to be in the room, right? Because this is like a big deal. To sure. So uh, I showed him the magazine. He goes, okay, yeah. Flips through, he goes, oh, yeah, it looks nice. So, um, all right, let me just show you some things. And he goes over and there's this um, product box kind of thing. And he goes, this is a laser printer. This is new. Um, and I said, laser printer, okay, what does it do? Well, it's, it's like a Xerox machine, but it prints out whatever's on your screen. And I said, whoa, well, you couldn't do that before, right? Because the Macintosh didn't print anything. It was just on the screen the whole time. <laughs> so... Uh, I said, well, that's major. He goes, yeah, you know, it had to happen. We don't make these. We just put our logo on it. And he points to the logo. And it was the new uh, Apple with uh, six colored stripes on it. Uh-huh. And I went, wow, that's, that's pretty fancy. He goes, yeah, yeah. And I said, so why the lavishing all the money on the logo? And he goes, and I said, because that's, that's really expensive. Most of us designers, like we're... Part of what we do is to make things economical and just as good as if they, you spent a million dollars on them. You know, that's kind of how we look at it. And he says, oh, you don't think we're worth it? <laughs> but, no, no, no. I wasn't saying that. I just, I'm just, I'm asking, that's all, okay? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, yeah, wow. okay, so let me show you this, let me show you that. And then he says, oh, uh, oh we're, he's, we're talking about the logo. And he said, uh, nobody has a logo like this. And I said, are you talking about, when you say logo, we have to be specific because we're a design magazine. Are you talking about the wordmark that says Apple computer? Or are you talking about the symbol 
with the Apple. He goes, the logo, the Apple. I said, oh, well, okay. Um, technically, a logo is short for logotype. And it, that's, it's a word mark. Um, the other part's a symbol. And uh, logo comes from Greek. It means word. He goes, it comes from Latin and it means symbol. <laughs> I said, well, I think you could look that up, Steve. Wow. And uh, it just deteriorated from there. And he said, I think we're, yeah. I think we're done. Um, and, I, you know, I, don't, I went home, driving home. I got what I needed for the article, but uh, and I wasn't going to get any more from him anyway. But yeah. uh, I was just like thinking, what an idiot. Like, this is my chance to like, you know, get to know him a little bit. And I like have an argument about Greek and Latin. So <laughs> um, it was, you know, and uh, you know, the publisher didn't even notice. He was just thrilled to be in the room and that we got the article and all that kind of stuff. So we went back. But the story of you getting along would not be near as interesting as <laughs> yeah, that's the story right. yeah, of you boring. telling him right. his business, yeah. you know, like not well, juicy or dramatic at all. I, I took, <laughs> you know, design really seriously and he was acting like he knew more than I did. And I just like, I just thought that was outrageous. And I, I mean, Well, that's your audience, right? So well, you're, 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 you owe them you're a, correct though. Yeah. Oh, did you just look it up? Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, Latin. Vaughn would have done the same thing. Well, logo in Latin is uh, logos. Logos. Greek. Yeah. (laughs) Gotcha. And and it's what he said. It's a a written word. So. Yeah. And that's why, that's how it was always used. But I mean, really logo is just a cool word to say. So it got, you know, used for everything. And even I do it now. I guess who cares? Um, But anyway, um, (laughs) Too bad oh, you didn't have a phone oh, yet, so you could have pulled it out in front of him. I left out, I left out the best part, the coup, coup de grace here. So we're still talking after the logo business. And he goes, well, the thing is, nobody has a logo like this. I mean, this is completely unique in the world of trademarks. And I said, uh, well, not entirely. And I pull out that same communication arts magazine, and I flip to a page where my logo is, and I did a logo for an education company called Creative Education, and it was an apple with a bite taken out of it, okay? And it it happened like one or two years before, and it was in the magazine at the time the uh, Apple logo was created, so probably somebody, whoever was doing the Apple logo, you know, flipping through CA trying to get some ideas, went, oh, we could do that. There's an apple. Duh. We'll just change it a little bit. Uh, wow. I didn't say that to him, but that's kind of what people uh, people always say. Well, that's so obvious. They just stole your idea. So anyway, I, I had to show him that. And I wasn't trying to say, oh, you stole it. I was just saying, you know, a lot of ideas out there. You know, it's hard to be the first in anything, but that's not the way he right. took it. He was really incensed. I said, well, who who designed it? Like I was, maybe it's a, like a, a company that I know. He goes, oh, I don't remember. He doesn't remember the name of the person that designed the logo of the comp- of his company. <laughs> well, it wasn't as important as yeah. he was. You know, he why. remembered quite well, and everybody else knew the name of it. And he was kind of a just the kind wow. of person that would go through CA and take ideas. <laughs> <laughs> they <laughs> still exist, anyway, unfortunately. Anyway, well, that was uh, just a... We're going to have to have you back well, to talk about... All your courses. and you know, everything else. Yeah. All oh, your yeah. courses. We didn't get to that, and, did we? Because... This we is just an amazing it. conversation. Yeah, well, Marty, we uh, first of all, I want to say thank you. You, you know, you're uh, just one of those people in our industry that you know had an experience with Steve Jobs, and that's just scratching the surface of all your experiences. 
And so thank you so much for your time. Uh, we'll definitely post about level C, but we'd love to have you back to talk about just level C. I, I would love that. Um, we and would your mission that. to, uh, you know, um, continue to expand this world of brand the value of brand strategy, brand design, all that sort of thing. So yeah, uh, we, we can talk about this, our goal of um, getting people into the C-suite at the very top, either at the top, like Steve Jobs, uh-huh. or um, equal to the top spot, which I think is a better model where you have two people, just like in some countries, you have a prime minister and you have a president, they do different things. Um, somebody has to watch out for the customers, has to like lead the customer tribe. And the other person has to look out for the business. And I think that's a lot to ask for one of one person. So I think it's going to happen. Definitely. Who knows how long, but that's, that's our ultimate goal. And um, we, we have been sort of among us, in the core of the company, we've been thinking that what we're really doing is kind of a Bauhaus of branding. Um, that's mm-hmm. not not at that scale or in that that importance to the world, but um, that's it's it's going to be like that, where we have uh, a lot of teachers teaching this thing as we all learn it together. And um, what we're doing is very different. You know, it's very different than anybody else uh, out there teaching anything. And eventually, maybe they'll teach it in uh, business school. I hope. I love it. That was a heck of a cliffhanger. That would be wonderful. It seems like it's perfect. <laughs> Marty, we will we will start working in advance to get you back on schedule, and we'll just talk about Level C. Thank you so much for your time, my man. Thanks, guys. That was it's, fun. Yes. Yeah. Right. Thanks, Marty. So much fun. Thank you, so Marty. much fun. Talk to you soon. Thanks. <laughs>